Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. God is a fantastic God, and He's a God of healing and restoration. And that's what we're going to be speaking about this morning. How to pray for healing and restoration. I guess if we look around the world around us, it doesn't take much. You tune the radio, you, you turn on the TV, and you see we live in a pretty broken world, don't we? It's a pretty messed up place, and it's really in need of healing and restoration. There's whole nations that need healing, don't they? Some places are just, are just an absolute disaster. We've got communities in desperate need of healing and restoration. We've got families and relationships that need healing and restoration. And today we're going to have a look at what God's Word says about this. We're going to see what God says. God often, went, I mean, I guess all the time when God speaks, that's not idle words, is it? When we look at his Word in the Bible, he's not just having a chat. When God speaks, he's revealing to us, to you and I, something of himself and how we should be relating to him. So we're going to zoom in on a passage in the Old Testament. God speaking to someone about 3,000 years ago, but it's words that still ring true today. And this is a passage um, where God spoke to King Solomon. He's the third king of Israel. Solomon's just spent seven years building a temple, a fantastic, magnificent temple as a centerpiece of the worship of the Lord God Almighty, Yahweh. And then he's had a two-week celebration opening this temple. There's sacrifices, there's worship, all sorts of fantastic things. Two weeks long. At the end of that, he sends all the people home. And then God appears to Solomon at night. I'd love you to open your Bible this morning to 2 Chronicles chapter 7. We're going to see what God says to Solomon. 2 Chronicles 7, verse 14. God's saying to Solomon, he says, If my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. Seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. There's a promise here. Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. What a fantastic promise of God. Let's just pray before we have a look at this this morning. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for your word. We're thankful that it's living, it's alive, and it can be applied to our lives in the right here and now, even though it was spoken so long ago. We ask this morning you might give us ears to hear what you're saying, minds to understand, and that the truth of your word might sink into our hearts. We pray you might also give us the courage to apply it to our lives. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. So we're going to have a look at this passage this morning. And we're going to see what we can glean about how to pray for healing and restoration. There's three great promises there at the end of that verse. But if you have a look at the start of it, it doesn't, it doesn't apply to everyone, does it? If my people. So who are God's people? I guess we know that pretty much these days, don't we? But Jesus clarified that for us. In Matthew 12, he says, it says there, while Jesus was teaching the crowd, his mother and brothers waited nearby to speak to him. And someone told Jesus, your family wants to talk to you. Jesus asked, who is my family? And then he answered his own question. He said, pointing to his followers, he said, 
These people are my family. Anyone who obeys my Father in heaven and does his will is my brother and my sister and my mother. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you're his people. This promise here applies to you today. That's some food for thought. We should get on board with this. We should process this. And the second thing you notice about that verse is it doesn't just say, if my people, but it says, if my people who are called by my name. Are you embarrassed to be called by Jesus' name? Is that something that maybe sometimes you just want to shrink away from? Sometimes we don't see some fantastic examples of people who are supposed to be called by Jesus' name, do we? But it's a bit of a sobering thought. We need to be bold to be Jesus' followers, don't we? In Mark 8, 38, Jesus is talking and he says, If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this unfaithful and immoral generation, I will be ashamed of him when I return in glory with all my angels. So Jesus is saying that if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. We're called to be salt and light, aren't we, in this world? If my people who are called by my name, let's be willing to be called by Jesus' name. And the third thing, and these are the things we're going to spend a bit of time dwelling on this morning. The third thing in this verse, if my people who are called by my name, and then God speaks out four conditions for the promise that comes thereafter. He says, if you'll humble yourself and you pray, seek my face and turn from your wicked ways. And then comes the promise that I'll hear from heaven. We really want to be heard by God, don't we? You want God to hear your prayers? Here's some keys here this morning. He'll forgive our sins. You're looking for cleansing in your life, for that freedom in your life? Here's some keys. And I'll heal your land. Healing and restoration, such a great need in our world around us, in our lives today. Here's some keys for that this morning. So the point is that God's made a promise, but there's some conditions around it. There's some things that God's asking us to do first. So I don't know what you need restored in your life. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe you need healing in your body. Maybe you need your finances restored. The principles in this passage apply to any of those needs in our lives. And if we fully understand them, God says, if you do this, you can expect this from me. So let's have a look at these four conditions this morning. Let's check them out. Number one, the first condition for healing and restoration in any area of our life. The first thing there, God says, number one, a point if you want to write things down. I admit that I am not in control. God is God, and I am not. Sometimes we forget that, don't we? We try and hold on to things ourselves. So if my people will humble themselves, humility is the first step to our healing. So what does that mean? It means when we come to God, we don't come to God arrogantly. We don't come full of ourselves. We don't come pridefully. We don't come flippantly. We don't come to God with a list of demands. God isn't a genie in a bottle. He's just going to do everything we ask him to do. We come to God in humility. If my people will humble themselves. 
something to notice about humility. It's not something God tells us to pray for. It's something that we do. It's an action on our part. It's a choice on our part to be humble, to humble ourselves. You see it over and over again in Scripture. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. It's a choice. So if I want things restored in my life, how do I show God that humility? How do I humble myself? That's not a real comfortable thing to think about sometimes, is it? You know, because it's a letting go. It's that admitting that I'm not in control. Some thoughts I thought of uh, for how we show humility to God. Confess your sin to God the moment you realise it. You might be talking and you said the wrong thing. Or you've spoken pridefully. Or you're jealous or you get angry. Confess it to God straight away. Keep short accounts with God of those sort of things. Don't wait till the end of the day or the, or the end of the week and go, Oh, God, <laughs> I've messed up again. Keep short accounts with God. Another one to think about. Forgiving quickly. Humility is forgiving quickly. Not holding a grudge. Not nursing those hurts or offences. I had a great opportunity to practice this one this week. It wasn't much fun, but I had a customer. Found out he was doing some pretty nasty things behind my back, but because I'd been preparing this message, I had to remember that, didn't I? I had to forgive the guy and bless him. Not real easy. Another one, look for ways to serve others. Thinking more about others than ourselves. Another one, accept correction graciously. Not fighting for the best seat or the best position. That's humility. Humility is picking up maybe someone else's rubbish. When you always speak well of others, that's humility. When you pray for your enemies, that's a tough one. People who upset you or people like this guy this week. Praying for your enemies, that's humility. It's something God asks us to do. There's a saying about humility. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. It's probably one worth thinking about and processing. We're more busy focused on God and on others than on ourselves. That's humility. It's not an easy way to live, though, is it? So why would I do it? Well, not just because God told me to, but let's have a quick look in God's Word about what God says he's going to do when we do that. There's probably four, four quick things here I came up with. If I'm humble, God will guide me. You get to that point sometimes in your life, I don't know what to do next. Should I do this or should I do that? There's all these options. Should I go? Should I stay? What should I do? If I'm humble, God will guide me. Psalm 25, verse 9. God leads the humble in the right way and he teaches them his will. You want to know God's will? Get humble. If you want to be led by God, get humble. I think that's a great thing when we're led by God is we tend to make less mistakes, don't we? We tend to get in a position where 
we don't have as many regrets. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I reckon that's a good thing. <laughs> so another benefit. If I'm humble, God will not only guide me, he will bless me. There's promises like this throughout all scripture. Isaiah 66, 2. I will bless those who have humble and contrite hearts. God doesn't bless us when we're full of ourselves. He doesn't bless us if we're proud. He doesn't bless us if we think we're better than everyone else. But he says, I'll bless you if you have a humble heart. Number three, if I'm humble, God will give me the power to change. I don't know about you, but I often need change in my life. And what's the power to change? That's called grace. Grace is God's power to change in our lives. Sometimes we get that stuff in our life that we really want to change. You know, we get that might be a habit or a stronghold in our lives. We think, oh, I just want to get rid of this. I want to change this. I want to be better than this. And try as you might, you can't break that stronghold. But when you get humble before God, sometimes those things just fall off, don't they? We're focused on God. We're not focused on the problem. And number four, if I'm humble, God says, I will relieve your stress. We all need a bit less stress in our lives, don't we? When I'm humble, the stress in my life goes down. When I'm full of myself and I'm trying to control everything myself, I'm a lot more stressed because all the resources I've got is just here. But when I'm humble, I'm focused on God. The resources of heaven are at my disposal. How awesome is that? Jesus speaking in Matthew eleven twenty nine, he says, Take the yoke that I give you and learn from me, for I am gentle and I am humble. See, Jesus is humble too. He says, I will restore deep rest for your soul. Does that sound good this morning? You want some of that deep rest? Get humble. So humility begins with admitting, I am not in control. God, you are God, and I am not. So that's the first condition that God's put here in front of us for healing and restoration. Number two, the second condition for this promise this morning. Number two, ask God for help. It's pretty obvious, isn't it? I think it sounds pretty obvious. But God's laid it out here for us. If my people will humble themselves and pray. So if we need something healed in our lives... First, we admit we're not in control. We humble ourselves. We can't do it ourselves. And then we ask God for help. And the funny thing sometimes, when I ask God, as soon as I start asking God, I realise, and it took me years to figure this out as a young bloke, I realised that when I ask God for help, I realised that I haven't been waiting on God. God's been waiting on me. He's waiting for you. He's waiting for you to ask. That's a fantastic thought when you, when you really process it. God is waiting for me to ask him. Have you been asking God for help? Have you been asking him for healing and restoration? I often come to that realisation with smaller things these days, you know, like you're getting frustrated with something and oh, you know, like, it's really gritting your teeth about it. And you realise, I haven't brought that to God in prayer. It's just, it's so obvious sometimes, but it's our human nature. We keep falling back to our own resources, don't we? But uh, God wants us to ask. 
asking, God, I need that healing. God, I need that breakthrough in my life. He's waiting for us. But it's a bit scary sometimes, isn't it, to ask for healing. We're starting to ask those, those big prayers, those dangerous prayers. God, come into my life. God, take control. God, have your way. <laughs> We're no longer in control. It gets a bit scary, doesn't it? But here's some, uh, a few things on how to ask God. John 16, Jesus speaking again in verse 23 and 24. He says, My Father will give you anything you ask for in my name. Until now, he says, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask. I want you to ask. We see it probably over 20 times in the New Testament. We're commanded to ask God in prayer. Ask God in prayer over and over. Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Ask and you'll receive and your joy may be complete. Great verses to meditate on. Great verses to build confidence in us coming to God with our requests. But there's two tips in that verse on how to pray for healing. And again, they're probably worth writing down if you're taking notes. The first thing to do when you pray for healing, remember that Jesus wants me to ask. Have you ever thought about why? Why does God want us to ask? God's all knowing. He knows everything. He already knows what I need. He knows what I'm thinking about. But God wants me to ask. The reason he wants me to ask is because that's how we learn to trust God. You think of maybe a young child and a parent. How does a child learn that trust? The child has a, the child has a need. Usually they cry or they yell or scream. The parent sees the need. The parent meets that need. The child trusts the parent. Repeated, 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 over and over, every day, every night sometimes as well. On and on it goes. We learn trust as we ask. And that's why God wants us to ask. It's the same. If we're not asking God, we're probably not learning how to trust him. So the second thing in that verse, it says, ask in Jesus' name. In other words, when I ask, I'm asking on the basis of what Jesus has done for me on the cross. When I come in the name of Jesus, I get instant access to the Father. How awesome is that? I come into God's throne room with my request. I realise I don't have to be hesitant praying for things. God just says, I want you to ask, ask anything in my name. You know what I think this morning? Yeah, I don't know about that, you know, like, I didn't get everything I asked for. But you might want to check that verse again. What does it say? Does it say everything? No, it says anything. What Jesus is saying here is, don't worry about what you're asking for, just ask. Just ask. I'll worry about the details, about whether this is the right thing for you or not, whether it's the right timing for you or not. Just ask. When you're asking me, you're learning how to trust me. You're learning how that, that relationship with me is being built. Just ask. There's a couple more verses here I'd love to show you with a few more tips about how we come to Jesus and pray. James 5, verse 13 to 15 says, Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? 
he should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. And if he has sinned, he will be forgiven. So the third tip on how to pray for healing based on that verse. Get other people to pray with you. That's important. It doesn't have to be an elder. You might not have an elder of the church standing next to you when you need, uh, need prayer. But if you've got another believer, get someone to pray with you. Jesus says, I tell you, if just two of you on earth agree together about anything, is that anything word again? Anything, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. Now that verse we just read in James 5.15, it says the prayer and faith will make the sick person well. And that's the fourth tip. Believe and expect an answer. We need to put some expectation, some draw on heaven, don't we? Some draw on our prayers. They're not just little things thrown out there. We're believing God for these things. We're depending upon him. So if we want to pray for healing and breakthrough, Jesus wants us to ask. To ask in Jesus' name. Get other people to pray with you and believe and expect an answer. As he said there in James 5, 15, the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. One more thing on prayer here. The next verse, Ephesians six eighteen, Pray in the Spirit at all times with all kinds of prayers, asking for all that you need. To do this, you must always be ready and never give up. Always pray for all God's people. That's a lot of alls, isn't it? Pray all the time, all kinds of prayer, all you need. Always be ready. So point five there. Keep praying till God tells you to stop. I don't know about you, but often our praying, it's not so much about what we're praying for. It's developing that relationship with God. We're starting to see God's heart as we pray for things. And I don't know about you, but often... As I pray over time, I pray persistently for things. That prayer changes, it develops, it grows more into something after God's heart, not my own selfish heart. Yeah? And that's the great thing about persistent prayer. There's some things we, we pray for years and years and years, and we just keep praying them until we see breakthrough. So keep praying until God tells you to stop. I guess the other thing I'm reminded of here is too, God's responsible for the answer. That takes the pressure off me, I think, too. I'm relying on God for the answer, but I'm responsible to ask. I'm the one who's got to do the asking. When I ask for God, God for help, I don't have to worry about it. I just need to ask him. And the third premise of this promise If my people will humble themselves, get humble and pray. Number three, if they will seek my face. This is the third key to praying for healing and restoration. Seek God, not a miracle. I seek God, and this is is key. I seek God's face, not the miracle. It's okay to want a miracle. It's okay to ask for it. God wants us to ask. We've just seen that. It's okay to want that healing and restoration, but it's not what God is telling us to seek overall, is it? If my people humble themselves and pray, seek my face, not the healing, not the breakthrough, not all the blessings, not all the the good stuff we're after, if they will seek my face. 
It's that saying, God, I just want you. I want to know you. I want that relationship with you. I treasure that in my life above all else. Anything else you can give me, I want a relationship with you. I think there's probably a lot of Christians in our world today who spend more time seeking what God can give them than a relationship with him, yeah? If my people seek my face, we're seeking not just his blessing. We're saying, God, even if I don't get the answer I want, I want to know you. I want to develop that relationship with you. I want to see things the way you see them. Whether I get that healing or not, I'm still going to worship you. I'm still going to seek after you. No matter what I'm going through, I'm still going to follow you. Proverbs 8, 17, God says, I love those who love me and those who seek me, find me. That's a great invitation, isn't it? Some of these verses I love just to sit and meditate on, just to think on. Hebrews eleven six. God rewards those who earnestly seek him. Are you earnestly seeking after God this morning? Earnestly is not a, it's not just a casual pastime, is it? It's not just, yep, I'm seeking God in my spare time and I've finished my Facebook or finished mowing the lawn or when I get home from work. Earnestly seeking God. It's a serious pursuit. It's our focus. It's our number one priority. Psalm 114.2 The Lord looks down from heaven on the entire human race and he looks to see if there's even one with real understanding, one who seeks for God. What's God saying there? I think he's saying the fact is most of my children don't even really seek me. They don't seek God. I think sometimes we just want enough of God to bless us, but not to change us, right? We need to be seeking God, seeking his face first. Deuteronomy chapter 4, Moses speaking, he says, If you seek the Lord your God, you will find him, if you look for him with all your heart. And that's the key, with all your soul. When you're in distress and all these things have happened to you, You'll return to the Lord your God and obey him, for he's a merciful God and he will not abandon or destroy you. So if you'll do that, if you'll seek his face, it's kind of like humility. God loves humility. We saw that already, some of the blessings of humility. But it's just kind of the same when we seek him. God goes overboard for people who seek him. Matthew 6.33, we've probably all heard it before, but let's have a look at it in this light. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things will be given to you as well. God puts that high priority on you seeking him, the number one priority, seek God. There's almost nothing you won't do if you're genuinely seeking God, if you're making that the number one priority in your life. God's going to say, yep, you're seeking me, that's great. I'm going to take care of the rest. You don't have to worry about that. So if my people humble themselves and pray and seek my face. And the fourth thing, the fourth premise to this great promise of healing and restoration, and turn from their wicked ways. Sounds a bit, I don't know about that these days. What are we talking about? Why do we have to turn from our wicked ways? But it's probably, we need to have a look at that this morning. The fourth thing, the fourth key here, 
I turn my attention from the world to the word. So what's God talking about there? To turn from our wicked ways. You think of wickedness today and you think, oh, wickedness is all that bad stuff we see out there, you know, all this crime and terrible things happening in our world. But what's the Bible definition of wickedness? It's real simple and it's a lot more basic than what we think about there. Wickedness is simply forgetting God. See, that's, that's the root of all these other things. Wickedness is forgetting God. When I forget God, that's wickedness because he made me to be in fellowship with him. That's the primary the, the focus of this whole creation that God made was a relationship with you and I. He didn't make it just for, to have some awesome stars and planets and stuff out there. That's all to show his glory. But the focus of his creation is relationship with you and I. So when we forget God, that's wickedness. That's what he's talking about here. He loves us and he wants us to love him back. He knows us, but he wants us to know him. So if we look up here, Isaiah 17.10. You've forgotten the God who saves you and you have not remembered the God that is your place of safety. God is our place of safety. I think some of us think our place of safety is our bank account or our job or our family, don't we? God is our place of safety. God is our protection. And what we do sometimes is we forget that, don't we? Now what about turn? He says, turn from your wicked ways. So I think that word, when you look at that word in Hebrew, it means to return. It means to bring back. It means to repent. You think, yep, repentance, I've heard of that before. Repentance is not just turning away from the bad stuff. It's turning to the good stuff. And that's a real positive word, isn't it, when we look at it in that way, to turn. I used to think about God this way. And now I see God this way. I used to think about success this way. And now I see it this way. We turn. We're turning from one thing to another. It's an intentional thing. But it's, it's, it's turning from the negative to the positive. I'm turning from darkness to the light and the hope of Jesus Christ. I've changed my mind. To repent is to change your mind. Repentance is the most positive term I think out there, isn't it? I repented, I turned from hopelessness to hope. I turned from death to life. Acts 3.19, the Bible says, Repent and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. You like that idea? Your sins being wiped out? I know I do. And so that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. I don't know about you, but I often need times of refreshing in my life and times of refreshing from the Lord. That's, that sounds fantastic to me. I need times of refreshing in my life. I mean, you might need times of refreshing around your family, around relationships, around your career. Times of refreshing from the Lord. So how do we get it? We repent and we turn to God that our sins might be wiped out. I've just invited the band back up this morning. I've got a couple more verses here for you this morning. I know there's a lot of scripture here, but I think it's good for us to get it into our lives, get it into our minds, and then we can meditate on it in our hearts. 
Proverbs 28.13 says, If you hide your sins, you will not succeed. But if you confess and reject them, you'll receive mercy. Sometimes we pretend things aren't a problem, don't we? We think, oh, I'll just kind of ignore that. It's a bit too hard. But if we've learned anything in the media these days, we've learned that a cover-up is often even worse than the sin, isn't it? It just makes the mess even bigger and bigger. So if we hide our sins, we will not succeed. And James 5.16 says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other, so that what? That you may be healed. So if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, we stop forgetting God. These three things are released. God says he will hear from heaven. He'll forgive our sins and he will heal our land. What a fantastic promise this morning. I'd love you just to pray with me this morning if you'd like to bow your heads. We just thank you, Father, for the promises that you laid out for us in your word. And Lord, we want to lay hold of this one this morning. You spoke so long ago. We admit this morning, God, that I am not in control. I've acted like it, but I'm not in control. The harder I try to control things, the messier they get. So today I humble myself. Guide me and bless me and give me the power to change, relieve my stress and all those other things that come when I walk in humility before you. And Lord, you said, if my people will pray, Lord, I'm asking for help this morning. Thank you that you want us to ask. Thank you I don't have to worry about what I'm asking for, whether it's the right thing to ask for or not, but you just say, ask, ask, and you'll sort out the details. Thank you you want me to talk with you. Teach me to pray all the time, all kinds of prayer, asking for what I need, to always be ready. And Lord, I want to seek you. If my people will seek my face, you said, forgive me for the times I haven't sought your face. I've just sought your blessing. You've said that those who seek you will find you. Lord, I want to find you. I want to be closer to you than ever before. Help me to turn my attention away from the world to your word. As I do these things, I ask you to hear my prayer from heaven, Father. I ask you to forgive my sins and I ask you to bring healing to my heart, to my body, to my mind, to my relationships, to my fears, to my bad attitudes. Heal my anger and my impatience. I want to be like you, Lord God. You're humble and I humbly ask for this because Jesus has already paid for it. I pray in his name. Amen.